It's a special delivery, daily delivery bonus edition coming to you Saturday afternoon, um, early evening, I guess. Still trying to understand what I just saw and frankly didn't see all of it, which I'll explain to you in a little bit. Um, Vikings beat the Colts 39-36 in overtime. Trailed 33 to nothing at halftime of this game. Um, that's enough in and of itself to warrant a bonus episode, but the victory clinches the NFC North for the Vikings for the first time since 2017 and comes in their 1,000th game in franchise history, regular season or postseason. An unbelievable way for that to happen. It could only really happen in this manner, right? This team, this season, I mean, Buffalo, the Buffalo game a month ago was the craziest game I've seen in 15, 20 years, it seems like. And this one tops it somehow with a lot on the line. So <clears throat> I got a lot of thoughts on this game. You had a lot of thoughts as well. You, the listener, the reader, I'll relay some of those. Um, I chatted quickly um, just via text with Ted Young, who I had on Friday's show, who talked about he was on a quest to see the Vikings beat every single team. He was in attendance because the Colts were the last one on his list. He was not feeling great at halftime. I will relay what he had to say about how he was feeling after the game. Play some uh, post-game audio from head coach Kevin O'Connell, from Kirk Cousins, quarterback, and I will welcome on a very special guest, Aaron Rupar. Um, Vikings fan, journalist extraordinaire, banned from Twitter temporarily at least. Um, now he's back on Twitter. He's been giving a million interviews in the last 24 hours, but none of them about the Vikings. So I'll have Aaron on to talk a little bit about his journey, his great comeback as well, um, but uh, mostly about the Vikings. Give him a little moment of levity to talk about that. But uh, like I said, it, it could only be this way, right? This team this year now 10-0 in one-score games. Now I believe seven fourth quarter comebacks, you know, Kirk Cousins, who, you know, much maligned throughout much of his career for being, you know, an empty, empty stats, empty calories, right? Uh, a guy who wasn't getting it done in, in the clutch, wasn't getting it done when it matters the most, throws for over 400 yards after halftime of this game. You guys, the Vikings were so bad in the first half of this game. They were so bad that I I, okay, I I left. I left my couch. I was watching this one from home. I had the three I had our three kids with me. My wife was uh, working a rare Saturday, and uh, so I was like, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna get the kids out to do something after the game is over. At halftime, I was like, you know what, we just got to get out of the house. There's there's nothing there's nothing pulling me in here anymore. This is this one is over at 33 to nothing. So I said, kids, let's go. Um, they've been wanting to go to this. Uh, this fish store to look at fish. So I was like, all right. Uh, I didn't even tell them we were going to go there. I just, I just kind of like, I said, okay, we're going to go. We're going to go to this coffee shop you guys really like. You guys can play there for a while. Um, but I didn't tell them we we're going to go to the fish store. So we go to the fish store, and you know, I had, the, I had the TV off for a while. We we're getting the kids ready. Hadn't really been paying attention. Get to the kids store, or get to the kids store. Get to the fish store, and the game is on at the fish store at the aquatic center. I, I know, I did not imagine this was going to be on, but I see it on. And it's the fourth quarter, Vikings are down 36-21. And I'm like, hmm, okay, this got a little bit more interesting. But then right as I got there, I think that was when Kirk Cousins threw an interception. 
uh, the Colts, uh, you know, deep in Colts territory. And that seemed to me like that was going to end it. But I kind of kept my eye on it. The kids are, you know, checking out fishes, doing all this stuff. And uh, and uh, they, there's turtles you can feed there. It's a cool place on like 53rd in Chicago. So we're there. I'm watching the game, keeping an eye on it. And I'm like, okay. And it gets to be 36-28. And I'm like, okay, well, I told them we we're going to go to this coffee shop nearby. Uh, we're going to head over there. I'm like keeping keeping track on of it. Like on the way over there, they tie it. I'm listening to Paul Allen's call of the game. They tie it. They're heading to overtime. I've got it like on my phone. I've got overtime on my phone while the kids are like running around at this coffee shop. And thinking to myself, you know, a tie does them just as much, right? A tie would have clinched the division. A tie, you know, playing for that wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world. How unsatisfying it would have been in the grand scheme of things. They get it down there. They get the, they get the you know, the, the delay of game call. They get, you know, all sorts of things that should have gone their way early in the game. The two touchdowns by Sullivan that should have been um, that, that should have been given to him that were overturned, especially including the one that would have given them, um, the, you know, a, a chance at tying the game. But they, they, they persevere. They get it. They get the delay of game penalty uh, to get a little closer to get the clock stopped. And then Greg Joseph nails the 40-yarder, 11-3 and three for this team. An unbelievable game. Again, I just I still cannot believe what I saw. And, you know, I wasn't alone in – you know, in maybe drifting away from this one for a little while. That was one of the th- one of the funny things that uh, that uh, that I got from you guys on Twitter. Um, Zach, reader Zach said I went sledding for the whole third quarter. I don't. I'm not surprised. A lot of you did. Um, Minnesota Husker. I enjoy pain, so I just kept watching. Um, and uh, could, uh, social or dirty says I made it. I made a snowman with the girls at the end of the first half, beginning of the second half. Watch the remainder hold up in my office, noodling in GarageBand. It was perfect. It sounds pretty good. Um, Eric Bowe says, I went grocery shopping at 16-0. Turn off the TV when I got home. Turn on the TV when I got home for OT. My faith is restored. And that's that's probably the biggest thing I got out of this game, right? Faith being restored. Because it was easy to look at this game when it was 33-0 and say, you know what? Um, it, it's been a nice year, but they just got they just got beat by the Lions. We're only a few weeks removed from this team losing 40-3 to to Dallas. Like, is this just a collapse? Is this team just waiting to collapse? Is that what's going to happen the rest of the year? Like, certainly they're probably still going to win the division, but if they're having this kind of performance after last week, after all of the defensive talk they had this week uh, about fixing things, if they're having this after that Dallas meltdown of just a few weeks ago, what really is going on here? Is the culture really all that good are things falling apart for Kevin O'Connell. You saw all sorts of, you know, all sorts of hot takes from a lot of people and myself included in the first half. Like that was just awful, right? Like there was nothing good to say about that, whether it was, you know, O'Connell gambling on, on fourth down situations on a fake punt, whether it was a blocked punt, um, you know, the defense getting shredded, the offense giving, getting nothing going, um, everything about special teams going wrong. The block punt, like I said, the long kickoff return to set up the first points of the game. Like nothing was going right at all at any moment of that first half. And so you just wondered, like, is this where everything is starting to unravel for for Kevin O'Connell? Is this really going to be this kind of year of destiny? And then the second half, right? Shame on me forever leaving. Although it was kind of better that way. It was kind of fun to like piece it together to watch what happened along the way to kind of like have to see bits and pieces talking to the people at the fish store who were like, what's going on here? Like they were, they, they had kind of given up on the game, but it was still on the, the, the TV they had on there. 
um, it was kind of fun to watch it that way, you know, keeping track of it on my phone, watching, you know, watching on a small screen, but still being able to, you know, to get that. It's a luxury we have these days, but you, you don't really imagine a team's going to come back from 33 to nothing, the largest comeback in NFL history. Now, get this. Um, largest before that was 30, 32 points, right? 35 to 3 in the playoffs when Buffalo came back on. Houston so many years ago. The quarterback in that game was Frank Reich, who came on in relief of Jim Kelly. Frank Reich was the coach of the Colts until he got fired earlier this year and Jeff Saturday took over. Um, funny tweet, by the way. I, I tweeted any given Saturday. And uh, someone, let me find who was it, that tweeted, uh, Don from Ohio tweeted, except Jeff. Yes, Jeff Saturday. Uh, anybody but Jeff Saturday, any given Saturday. Um, in this case, but uh, you know, so the guy who used to coach the Colts held that record of the largest comeback, and now Kirk Cousins holds that record. And Matt Ryan, more in glory for him. You all remember the uh, the Super Bowl, the twenty eight to three lead blown against Tom Brady and the Patriots when he was with the Falcons. So you know, it's just it's just unbelievable what what took place in this game just the numbers in this game are are mind-boggling eye-popping numbers when you just look at the box score i mean cousins finished with 460 yards like i said more than 400 of those after halftime dalvin cook with 95 rushing yards 95 receiving yards um he had a 64 yard catch a 40 yard run um no other running back by the way for the vikings gained more than 1 yard in this game K.J. Osborne, 10 catches for 157 and a touchdown. Justin Jefferson, 12 for 123 and a touchdown. Um, you know, the aforementioned calls that went against the Vikings. Um, you know, Chandon Sullivan had a, could have had a, a fumble return for a touchdown, but they'd blown the, the forward progress dead in the first half. And in the second half, certainly should have been a touchdown. They got the ball, at least in that case, but they blew the runner, they, they blew, the, blew the play dead, even though, Sullivan grabbed it. It was a scoop and score. It was a very clear scoop and score. So to persevere through all of that, to still have people into this game, to still have the building pretty loud. I don't think people, I don't think a ton of people gave up on this game. And in fact, let's hear Kirk Cousins now talk about that element of the game. I think that the fact that our defense only gave up three points in the second half was critical. Um, reminded me of the Eagles game when uh, same thing we were down and they just didn't give any points in the second half, and I had to by myself with that as we were playing, knowing that if our defense can do that, they allow you to hang around and keep getting back in it. Um, you know, I think the fact the fans stayed to the end and provided so much energy um, is, is a big deal. I, there was one time where they were doing the school chant, and I was, I was surprised that they were still in it the way they were, um, and so grateful that, they're, uh, that they were there with us all the way through it to the end. Um, great to obviously um, you know, show that there was no quit and to keep playing hard and, and uh, finding a way. And then it's just so important that, um, you know, this is this is one step in a much larger goal. And it's an important step. It's a step that you talk about when, when you go to training camp and the season begins. But, um, um, you know, there's obviously more to go. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake. With 24-7 gaming, the good times never have to end. And you can satisfy your cravings at our restaurants and bars. Or relax in one of our luxurious hotel rooms. Those that play together, stay together. And don't forget to join Club M so you can spark new memories and bask in the rewards along the way. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. 
And I'm sure Cousins wishes it could have been a little bit easier, but my goodness, like he is playing at a very high level right now, especially, you know, knowing they had to throw the ball. He had to be close to flawless. Um, you know, I know he had that interception in the, you know, later, but he had to be close to flawless in this game to get that done. And uh, so, you know, that was, uh, you know, that was pretty impressive. You know, and the crazy thing about this game is a game like this is that you'll, there'll be moments along the way that you'll forget that were super important at the time, like Matt Ryan getting stopped on that really short fourth and one, you know, quarterback sneak that essentially would have sealed the game late in the fourth quarter. Vikings get the ball back, and that's what led them to that, uh, that long touchdown and, and able to able to get in. And the Vikings had another chance to, to win it in regulation. They had a chance to win it at the beginning of overtime. Couldn't get it done there, but they made enough defensive plays, dialed up, uh, dialed up enough defensive pressure, and looked like a completely different team, especially defensively in the second half. Only gave up three points in the second half, played a lot more aggressively with nothing to lose, and it showed. I want to play a little, like I said, a text exchange I had with Ted Young, who was on the show um, on Friday, he had uh, he had said, uh, you know, he was on a quest. Um, he was on a quest to uh, to see the Vikings beat every team, and it just so happened the Colts were the last one on his list. The Vikings had not beaten the Colts in 25 years, and uh, Ted Young lives in Milwaukee. Made the trip over with a bunch of family in the last couple of days. So I texted him and said, "You have any thoughts I could include on today's show?" He said. It feels so surreal that I can hardly believe it. I am exhausted. This ranks up there all time with Minneapolis Miracle as number one or number two on the list. Incredible and unbelievable. And 20 minutes later, he texted, We are still here. I am resting. The most exhausting game I have ever attended. And I think a lot of you felt the same way. I asked for your thoughts, your hot takes on this game. I want to get to those two in just a minute here. Um, thought it was interesting too. Rick Spielman congratulating the Vikings. Can say congrats, well deserved. Tweeting at the Vikings on their uh, the largest comeback division champs. Um, so that was interesting. The former general manager of the Vikings, who you know indeed put together a lot of the roster that won this game, but uh, you know was not part of this year's team, obviously. So um, so I, you know, I I'd asked for your your hot takes. Um, Dan Ryan said that the, did the defensive coordinator get replaced at halftime? And like I was talking about, like yeah, that was. That was the most disappointing part of the first half. There were a lot of disappointing parts of the first half. And again, obviously all of it wasn't on the defense because the, the offense and the special teams put them in terrible spots on the field. The Colts basically had an average starting field position of like midfield in the first half of that game. But Ed Donatel's defense was still getting shredded for a lot of those easy gains, uh, just you know, passes over the middle. Matt Ryan was having his way. With this, uh, with with the defense was not uh, was not seeming to have any trouble at all. So, um, Ed Donatel, as far as I could tell, was still uh, calling the plays and making the uh, making the, uh, the the adjustments and whatnot. But it did not seem like the same team. Um, Alex Klomstad said, "Pain, beauty. This is our Vikings." It really was right. Like this whole season, that was like a turbocharged version of everything we've seen from this team this year. It was just. Usually it's kind of back and forth. It's not usually this all at once and then everything else from the other side. Um, but, you know, it felt a lot like, you know, every other game where it's like, oh, man, this is not going well, not going well, not going well. Then all of a sudden it is at the end. Um, Pat Dwyer said, I just love Nate Burleson called Greg Joseph G Money straight cash. Straight cash, homie. That's a shout out to uh, shout out to, uh, to to Randy Moss of Vintage Era. Max Murphy says, our defense is still bad. Kirk still makes frustrating mistakes. Ed Ingram is never going to stop stepping on Kirk's feet, but clearly O'Connell has got the goods. 
to get the team to keep fighting even down 33 is incredibly impressive. He always seemed collected on the sidelines. That's a good point. Would have been very easy to just call this one a day, say, you know what? Uh, not our day for whatever reason. This just did not work out for us in this game. But, uh, but he held it together. He he got them believing. Patrick Peterson got them believing. Said, "Hey, we just need five touchdowns," and that's what they got them. We'll hear a little bit from O'Connell here in a minute too. But that was impressive to me that they were able to keep this thing going, to keep in this in this game, and not give up uh, when it would have been very easy to do this. Greg says, "Let's be honest. More of a collapse, more of a Colts collapse than a Vikings comeback. But we are entertained." I think it's both. I mean, the Colts certainly contribute. Anytime a team is going to make a comeback like that, it's going to be contributions from both the team doing it and the team that gives up the lead. But, um, you know, the Vikings took it. To a large degree, they took it. They didn't even get all the breaks. Like I said, they had two touchdowns that probably should have been touchdowns that got overturned. Like, it wasn't just the Colts giving it back. They certainly were inept in the second half. They certainly hurt themselves with a lot of things. But, you know, if you're going to go down to it, I think it was both in that case. Uh, Chopper McChoppy said the telecast showed a guy wearing a Blair Walsh jersey sometime late in the game. This needs to be talked about. Certain demons were exercised at that moment. Interesting. I did not catch that, um, but maybe, maybe that's true. I don't know. Um, certainly was by the end when Greg Joseph made that clutch kick. And for all that we can say about Greg Joseph this year, missing a lot of those extra points, he has been very clutch on those field goals. And that was another case where he was clutch. A um, couple more here. Let me see. Brady Eyestone says the Vikings are the team of destiny. That's an interesting, interesting thing because again, they're they're making this so hard on themselves that you feel like this the margins, their average you know average score is is still way down. They're basically scoring as many points as their opponents this year. Uh, but at the end of the day, winning games like this does matter for something. I don't know what their ceiling is. Um, but uh, it does feel like this is a team that has a certain amount of that going. Alex Berger says, no matter what happens in the playoffs, this is the most exciting Vikings team of all time. And man, hard to argue with that. This Vikings team still, by the way, has not won a game by more than 17 points in over three calendar years. It's been December 15th, I think, 2022, uh, 2019, since they won a game by more than 17 points. Everything has been a struggle in the last two, three seasons for this team, and uh, this one was taking it to the extreme. Like I said, let's hear a little bit now from head coach Kevin O'Connell. This was his post-game remarks to uh, to the to the you know to the media after the game. Just want to uh, commend our team, uh, our entire organization. Um, it took everybody today um, after playing you know our worst half of football. Uh, all season long, um, trying to do everything really in our power to lose the football game. Uh, we came back in at halftime, and our team had a decision to make. Uh, our coaches had a decision to make. Um, I thought our captains, the way uh, by the time our coaching staff you know, came out to our players and, and to give them the pseudo plan for the rest of the half or for the second half, um, guys like Patrick Peterson, Kirk Cousins, Eric Kendricks, Adam Thielen, Brian O'Neill, C.J. Hamm, um, really, I'm, I'm sure I'm missing somebody, uh, but uh, Dalvin Cook, uh, that's who I heard. I heard our leadership telling our guys we've been here before. Maybe not that much, maybe not the need for the largest comeback in the history of our league, but um, this team believes in each other, and we just had to go try to play good football. Regardless of score, uh, we just had to try to play good football and, and just see if we could apply some pressure to our opponent before it was all said and done, and we were able to do that. So. 
Um, we set a goal to win this division um, at the very beginning of training camp. We have not talked about anything else uh, besides winning the division. Um, we knew how important that would be for our organization and our team. Um, now we've got to take this moment, both the, the things that we clearly need to correct early on in this football game, but see if we can harness uh, the energy that it takes to set a record like that uh, and, and, and compound that moving forward uh, to have more complete performances, which is what this team is always on the strive to do. And I need to do a better job as a head coach demanding uh, you know, our standards four quarters to uh, continue to give ourselves a chance to continue playing as long as they'll allow us to play this year. All right, I'm done rambling now. Um, I want to bring on Aaron Rupar, very special guest, twi- uh, journalist, um, excellent journalist, and was banned from Twitter for a little while here, but he is back. He is a big Vikings fan, so I want to bring him on right now. Sorry to say, but uh, Aaron, your uh, your Twitter comeback might be only the second greatest comeback of uh, of the last few days. Yeah, I had a few people joking in my replies that I must have uh, inspired the Vikings with my comeback, and uh, I'd like to think that. I actually, I'm trying to think if there are any current players that follow me. I I don't think so. Um, some former ones do, but uh, no, I mean, it was, you know, I had my comeback last night and the Vikings had theirs today. And, um, you know, now mine kind of pales in comparison, sadly. So, um, but I'm, I'm happy about that. It was an amazing game. I don't know. I think yours is still a bigger story. When you got reinstated, like on Twitter, it was late, late Friday. Um, any, I mean, before we get to the Vikings, like any explanation for that or what, what exactly happened along the way or why you, why you got brought back? I think I basically got brought back because Elon caved i mean essentially um you know basically twitter at this point is you know it's determined by his whims day to day i don't think yeah. there's a lot of rules in play um no. you're fortunate that you're covering sports which is kind of a safe zone on there obviously politics is kind of a different story but you know it's funny because elon ran a poll on thursday asking when myself and other journalists that he banned over linking to um this account that tracks his jet yes. when we should be reinstated mm-hmm. and uh the results came in that we should be reinstated immediately and then he said oh whoops i'm actually going to redo the poll and he uh, reduced the options, although there were still only two. I think it was either now or in seven days and now won the second time. So it was kind of a Trumpian twist where he got the results from the poll, didn't like it, and then, you know, tried to uh, <laughs> redo it. But uh, no, I'm glad to be back. Um, you know, it, it will be kind of a little bit of a, I'll be careful. You know, I don't want to get banned again. So I'm going to try and right, not right. pull too many punches. But um it was kind of a learning experience for me as well. And also just amazing with how much support and um, just nice things people had to say. Um, you know, I posted a little tweet last night, just thanking people for all the support and that blew up. I think it has like well over a hundred thousand likes, which is just amazing to see. So, uh, between that and the Vikings game, it's been uh, a pretty interesting and fun weekend. It's only Saturday. So it is only Saturday. I I don't even want to know what's going to happen Sunday, but we'll, we'll see as for the game itself. Um, obviously you're a big Vikings fan and, um, I, what did, what were you thinking as you watched the first half? I mean, my God, it was like it was like the worst thing you could imagine. Like I, like I said earlier, like I I I took the kids to the to the fish store. I was like, this game's over. What were you thinking? Yeah, I was in a text thread uh, with some friends, and we were trying to determine in the first half if this was the worst Vikings performance of all time. And of course, we had to narrow that down to regular season category because yes. I still think forty one donut would probably take the cake there, but. 
Um, you know, I was actually thinking back to the game. I think it was in the 2016 season when they lost to Indianapolis at home. Yeah, it was. It was like uh, remember, 39 you know, to 10. That was terrible. Fumble, and that, that turned into a route. And that was major implications in that game. Because I think the Vikings were basically playing for their playoff lives at that point. Yes. And so that was kind of my point in the, the text thread was that, you know, this is a horrendous performance and it's just a kind of a disgrace. And I felt bad for uh, actually, my dentist, I went to the dentist on Thursday and he was going to his first ever Vikings game at the, at the new stadium uh, and he was taking his son. And I was thinking about him during this game, like that, that was kind of their big Christmas event was going to this Vikings game and just how miserable that would have been. And I'm actually curious, like I kind of want to call the office next week and see if they left early or not, because uh, he seems like the type of guy who might have left early. Oof. But um, so, yeah, I mean, it went from that. And, you know, my line on that was basically this is a horrendous performance, but, you know, they're going to win the division. Um, the stakes here, you know, obviously you want to get the two seed and if had they lost San Francisco would have had the tiebreaker and better right. ahead of the Vikings for that number two seed. So winning was huge in that respect, but I mean, let's face it, the lions aren't going to run the table. The Vikings weren't going to lose out. So you, you knew you were going to win the division, but to go from that to, um, winning this game, um, we had, you know, basically the game went from 33 zip to, I think it was 36, 21, and that happened so quickly as we, you know, we were talking about that before we started recording yeah. that um, it seemed like they got back into the game in like five minutes. Yeah. That's... So, like real life time. It was like, you know, I kind of um, was eating and, you know, kind of half paying attention. Then suddenly it was a two score game again and it was kind of game on from there. So that, that was really, that's what sticks with me is how quickly they got back into this. That's probably when I was getting the kids like ready to go and then get to the, get to the store. And next thing I was like, wait, this is actually still a game. Like what is going on here? And then so many things happen along the way, like other points where you're like, oh, well, that's going to do it. Like the, the cousins interception or, um, you know, when they didn't, when they didn't capitalize on something and then the Colts look like they're going to run off the clock and then they stop Matt Ryan, like so many little things happen along the way. And then here's the weird thing I was thinking about, like at the, at, at towards the end of regulation, like a tie would have accomplished everything that they needed to accomplish right. anyway, it would have kept them ahead of San Francisco and they're not going to win the tiebreaker. It would have clinched the division but how unsatisfying would it have been for that game to have ended in a tie? Oh, absolutely. Celebrating on the field like that. I mean, I guess they would still have some sort of claim to a historic comeback, um, but it would have yeah. been different for sure. And it also would have for the seeding. I mean, they'd still be ahead of San Francisco, but that could potentially um, hurt them down the line, not getting a win here. Um, but the other thing, you know, that we shouldn't lose sight of, and, you know, I don't want to, I know that the ref angle is kind of overplayed, oh. but the refs did take 14 points off the board. At in the least second. seven, at least seven. Like the, yeah, the, I mean, the first call I will grant, there the was forward some progress one wasn't there. as bad, but the other one it was like, the ball was out. What are they doing? And then I still, you know, the replays that they showed of the, I believe it was a punt return that went for like 50 or 60 yards where they called the face mask on the Vikings. And they, the TV replays were not uh, satisfactory in terms of establishing that there was actually a face mask that happened there. But that was a huge call at the time because they went from, you know, on the Colts 30 yard line marching in for the tying score to like inside the 10, I think it was. And I believe that was still the drive where Cousins hooked up with Cook on the screen. Yeah. And that was also one of the delicious aspects is that all year, the Viking screen game. Terrible. Terrible. Absolutely terrible. And absolutely so for that terrible. to be kind of the big play, you know, and then, then for them to come through on the two-point conversion when you're thinking, okay, well, this has been great, but, um, you know, Kirk's going to take a sack. You know, maybe uh, Ingram will step on his foot again. That's happened a few times this season, including right. today. So. <laughs> Um, you know, in some ways, I guess it reminds me a little bit of the Denver game from the yeah. first year that Kirk uh, was in town, where I believe that was a 20 point comeback. I think that was 2009. Half. I think it was 2019. But yeah. OK. Yeah. But it was it was similar where I remember yeah. thinking that first half was an absolute atrocity. 
And Denver was not a good team that year, like Indianapolis is this year. But, uh, you know, Kirk, um, give him his credit. He takes a lot of criticism. The stats, I mean, I believe the passing yards in the second half and overtime was like well over 400 passing yards. Um, It's crazy. One of the picks he threw to Rieger, uh, obviously Rieger did him no favors by stopping his route there. So it wasn't as though... Uh, you know, his receivers were bailing him out. Um, and if anything, you know, his stats would look better had his receivers not, you know, Rieger in right. that particular case not hurt him. But yeah, I mean, th- there's just so much that to dissect from this game. Um, I feel like I almost need to rewatch it, you yeah. know, because uh, there was a period there in the second quarter into the third where um, my spirits were pretty low. And, you know, I was already thinking ahead to the Giants game next weekend. No, I mean, it, it totally makes sense. Like, I think a lot of people, if not altogether, like had spiritually and mentally checked out of that game, right? Like, why wouldn't you? Why would you think, aside from the the way this team has, you know, battled in a lot of these games, but they've never they haven't been down this much. Like, and in the games where they have been down this much, they've stayed down this much. So, um, Aaron, a couple more things for you, quick before before we go. Well, I'm one. I mean, how how far back does your Vikings fandom go, and and where does this one rank in terms of satisfying wins? Now that it is a win. Oh yeah. Well, so I had season tickets from 2000 through 04, uh, basically when I was in high school into college. Um, but, you know, I date back. I grew up in Forest Lake. So, you know, of course, I uh, grew up as a Vikings fan, but was going to all the games in that era. Um, I was there in the Metrodome in 09 for the okay. Greg Lewis game. So I think that one will always kind of hold a special place just being there for that. That was one of the very few sporting events. I could probably count them on one hand where strangers were hugging each other sure. at the end of that game. Um, so that moment won't really be topped. Um, you know, it, it's weird to kind of talk through this this season because I think, you know, a few weeks ago, we all thought the Bills game right. uh, was one of the greatest wins. Yeah. You know, I think, and I think it was still. your yeah. podcast said that that was the greatest Vikings <laughs> win, you know, and, and he's watched pretty much all of the wins and the losses. Yeah. And I guess that was another kind of interesting tidbit is, is this was, you know, the strip also, you, you guys have that amazing feature this week right. on all of the, you know, game 1000. Yeah. And um, had they gotten absolutely demolished in this game, oh. uh, that would have been kind of an unfortunate capstone yes. on that. But, you know, to come back and win like that. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, in terms of where it ranks, um, I think this is one of those situations where um, this regular season we will all remember no matter what. Um but, I mean, let's face it, on some level, you know, I'm very much a guy who wants to enjoy the ride. I'm not one of these guys who, um, you know, is obsessing over the fact that we've never won the Super Bowl or haven't been there in, you know, 45 years, whatever it is now. But, right. um, you know, if they do go on to have kind of a magical run in the postseason, I think this will rank right up there with the greatest wins in franchise history. Um, if not, you know, it'll still be remembered as a maybe maybe the greatest win. I mean, it, it's the greatest comeback in NFL history. This is a 100 yes. season of the NFL. So I don't want to. I don't want to downplay that. Um, so I, I guess you really could make a case that this was one of their best wins. I mean, if it would have been against a better team, it might be easier to say that. But sure. nonetheless, to come back from that deficit is amazing. Do you believe this is a team of destiny or are you just kind of waiting to see what happens? I don't believe. Yeah, I, I don't believe in this team to that extent. Um, I certainly think that they will be in all likelihood, pretty heavily favored the first weekend with yeah. that home playoff game. You know, if it's New York or Washington, a team like that. Uh, but then, you know, we've kind of seen it this year. I mean, Philadelphia took care of us. Dallas took care of us. So, um, you know, when you get to the playoffs, um, we we kind of saw that today. You know, weird things can happen. Uh, you know, this game kind of went off the rails with the confluence of weird things with the the uh, block punt for a touchdown and, you know, going for it and forth now, not getting it. That was a huge swing in the game. Uh, the Vikings tried a fake punt that didn't work on a, another possession. So <laughs> yes, you, you, you get to the postseason, you feel like you have a puncher's chance. But, you know, the way that we looked against the cream of the NFC doesn't give me a lot of hope. But, you know, you get that that home win, hopefully the first week. 
And, uh, you know, if you get that two seed, you get another home game the second weekend as well. Um, so, you know, I, I'm very much of the mindset that you get there, you know, chip chair chance sort of thing. We'll see what yeah. happens. But I'd be lying to you if I said that I'm, you know, I believe that this team is going to make a run to the Super Bowl or anything like that. Well, we'll see. It's been a it's been a strange year. It's been a strange last few days in uh, in more ways than one. You uh, enjoy your work on on Twitter and, uh, you know, obviously um, you're writing as well. So uh, so keep it up. hope you uh, hope you stay on Twitter for for the foreseeable future and enjoy the rest of the season, Aaron. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, Michael. I'd love to do it again. Maybe we can talk wolves sometime. <laughs> Let's do it, baby. All, <laughs> all right. See ya. Yep. All right. That's all I got. Um, I don't know what, I'm sure there's some things I missed. Roycey and I can get, get more of this on Monday. I'm sure we'll talk about it more on Tuesday's show as well. Listen to the access Vikings podcast. I'm sure those guys will break this down in a different way. I just had to come on here and do this because we can't not talk about this game for two whole days. It is one of those special games that demands our attention and my goodness to do it in their 1000th game in franchise history in the midst of a season like this and to clinch an NFC North title in, in the, uh, in the process. Unbelievable. I still can't believe it happened, but it did happen. And I'm sure you guys feel the same way. That'll do it. Like I said, back again on Monday. Hope you enjoyed this bonus episode. We'll see you then.